0: Came uh, out here to support me. I see you and I want you to know how much it means to me. Jonah 4. No chapter in the Bible has had more impact on me personally. No chapter has challenged me the way that Jonah 4 has. I know that what I'm saying may sound very weird. Out of all the Bible, you pick Jonah 4. You got John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. I mean, that is the central element of our faith. Or look at Paul who wrote most of the New Testament. All of his writings are packed with life verses, memory verses, and reminders of how God provides what we cannot provide ourselves. The reason Jonah 4 is so impactful, is because it goes directly at the heart of a person, like an arrow that can't miss. I have found myself in angry conversations with God, like Jonah is having here in chapter 4. This chapter addresses the frustrations that we ourselves may carry in life, such as hatred, True hatred for others, for God, and for ourselves. Loving things or possessions over people. Self-worth, doubt, depression, and struggling with the will to live. These 11 verses are the culmination of the battle of two wills. And the crazy part of it all is that it is often overlooked When we talk about Jonah. In fact, I saw a pastor one Sunday and he pulled out about 20 children's books on the story of Jonah. And they all basically had the same story. God calls Jonah. Jonah runs from God. He goes down to Tarshish. He gets on a ship. He goes out into sea. A storm comes while he's down. The sailors, they come and get him. They throw him overboard. Jonah goes overboard into the belly of a great fish. Giant fish, not a whale. He goes into the belly. He cries out to God. He is sad. God restores him The big fish. Spits Jonah out. Puts him back on land. The second time, God calls Jonah to go and preach to the people of Nineveh. And this time, Jonah does what he's supposed to. He goes into the city of Nineveh. He preaches the word of God. The people of Nineveh repent. And God saves them from destruction. In one of the children's Bibles, it had Jonah celebrating with the city of Nineveh after they repented. It was a a funny picture. If you can imagine, they're like all cheering like this. I can assure you that last thing did not happen. Before we get into the scripture, I want to draw into context the importance of this conversation Jonah is having with God in chapter four. There is one other conversation in the Bible that parallels the hard truths of this conversation that we will look at today. The other conversation is found in a parable that most of you will know, the parable of the prodigal son. We can see several similarities in these two stories, and this will help us to dive deeper into the character of Jonah. Most of the time, when the parable of the prodigal son is preached, The focus is on the younger brother. Younger brother runs away and comes back. The focus is on the heathen of the story. But I want to focus on the older brother, whose hardened heart is a lot like Jonah's hardened heart in chapter 4. So let me do a, a quick recap of the parable of the prodigal son. For those who may not be familiar. In the parable, which is a story told by Jesus in the New Testament, a father has two sons, simply known in the story as the younger son or brother and the older son or brother. The younger son comes to the father and he asks for his inheritance early. Before the father dies, he's essentially saying, Father, I don't care about you. I want your money. I, want, I wish you were dead. I want what is for me to be given to me now. The younger brother Gets the money. He leaves and he wastes all the money and inheritance on things of this world. Life gets really bad for him. He is near rock bottom. And at one point, he is so poor and hungry that he is looking at a pig sty at the slop. And he is, it is appealing to him. He is that hungry. He is that low in life. And then he says, I've messed up. I've sinned against my father, but I'll go back to him and maybe he will hire me as one of his servants because I don't deserve to even be called his son. When he arrives back to his surprise, the father sees him and he gives him the best clothing and a fattened calf for a meal and a banquet is prepared despite the fact that his son had sinned against him. And hurt him deeply. While this is all going on. The older brother. The one we're focused on. He takes pride in the fact. That he never sinned against the father. He is so proud in fact. That he doesn't believe. The father should forgive. His brother. Or give him such a warm welcome. After all. The older brother. Outwardly. Appears to be faithful. And well behaved. His heart is filled with jealousy that his father would have mercy on someone who he feels is completely unworthy of forgiveness. Luke 15, 28 says that the older brother refused to go to the celebration for his brother. This is going to sound a lot like the way Jonah feels about Nineveh. He feels Nineveh isn't worthy of the same forgiveness that he himself has received. So let's bring this parallel back to the book of Jonah. Just like the father in the parable represents a merciful and forgiving God, we likewise have a forgiving and merciful God depicted in the book of Jonah. God seems to look past the very obvious faults Nineveh has, which includes everything from brutality, bloodshed, idolatry just like the father in the story looked past the faults of the younger son who used his money for prostitutes and reckless living, dishonoring his father's name and inheritance. God wants sinful Nineveh to turn to him in repentance and seek God just like the younger brother did in the parable of the prodigal son. Nineveh Not only repented and was spared from judgment, but it was God who did that and wanted that for them. Why did God spare Nineveh and why were they repenting? The basic answer to the question is that they were aware of their evil ways. Deep within them, they wanted a change. Also, in Jonah 3, 8, the king commands them to turn away. The people of the city back in this day would usually inherit whatever faith their leader had. So if the king says, we're going to do this, then the whole town is going to do it or pay the price. Finally, Nineveh could not be destroyed at this part. This is all part of God's plan. Nineveh was the head of a resurgent Assyrian military state. And even during this period of Assyrian history, Their imperialistic ambitions had already been on display. The power of Nineveh was known. And trust me, Israel will know who the Assyrians are. But that's another sermon for another day. Going back to the parable. The parable ends with the father talking to the older brother. The older brother did good. He followed the father's rules. He worked hard, but he refused to go into the banquet because the younger brother is there and the younger brother did so many bad things. How could you forgive this son of yours? In the parable of the prodigal son, we don't know if the older brother later made it into the banquet and humbled himself receiving the father's invitation. Even more importantly, we don't know if the older brother made it into heaven. As the banquet symbolizes heaven, In the parable. In the book of Jonah, we don't know what happens to Jonah either. Because as we notice with both men, we don't see a repentant heart. A heart that acknowledges and recognizes the Heavenly Father's mercy and forgiveness as just and right. So let's look at Scripture with a focus on our own hearts. Jonah 4, starting with verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord, and he said, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I know that you are a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Therefore, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. The first point for today, hatred separates us from God. I know it may say here that Jonah was angry and what God did displeased him exceedingly. But that may be a little mild in describing Jonah's feelings. The literal translation of this verse is it was evil to Jonah with great evil. It was evil to Jonah with great evil. Jonah hated what God had done. He was a prophet who misunderstood God's mercy and he had a limited view of God's plan for the redemption of his own people. Or maybe it was his own heart that kept him from wanting for others what God had done for him. He wanted a tailored mercy that fit his perspective. He wanted to be the judge. And while there may have been some reasons for Jonah's displeasure, it is sad to see him place limits on the same grace that saved him. He was mad that God saved the Ninevites, but yet two chapters ago, he is in the belly of the fish begging for the same forgiveness. This directly correlates with the parable of the prodigal son. The older brother hated what the younger brother had done. Likewise, Jonah hates what the Ninevites have done. The older brother in the parable was so mad that his younger brother found redemption. So mad that it kept the older brother standing outside of the banquet rather than entering into it. Remember the children's Bible interpretation that had Jonah celebrating with the Ninevites at the end of the story. Even though it's not true, it would have been a much better ending. It would have been pleasing to God. There was a time in my life when I remember saying, God, I hate you. And I know that's a pretty intense statement to make, but I have to let you into my life so that you can see that our God is limitless. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is there and there is no one past saving You cannot put our God in a box. Mm -hmm. And when I tell people about this time, I don't want to give them the full truth. I usually just say I left the church for a while. I was going through some things. I was trying to find my way. But that's not it. I was against God. Mm -hmm. I felt like Jonah. It was evil to nick with great evil. November 23rd, 1998. I step off. I step off the elevator of the hospital where my father had been in and out for the last three months, battling leukemia. You see, I grew up in the church to this point. I know at this point that God heals. I know the story. I've heard the story of Jonah, right? I know that God can heal people from leprosy. I know that God can raise people from the dead and more. As I stepped off the elevator elevator that day, time seemed to just stand still. Everything was going in slow motion. And with each step, I took closer to my mom. I could see her face fighting back tears, trying to get through what she was about to tell me. Nick, it's time to go tell your father goodbye. Within 48 hours, my father passed away. And then my hatred was born. If God has the power to heal... And he doesn't heal my dad, then does that mean he doesn't care? It would be 9 years before I stepped back into a church for the intention of worship. 9 years before I could see God for who he is. You see, we all have had these moments of anger, grief, hurt, pain. It may not have been to the point of of hatred, but definitely to the point where you look at God and say, Why? How could this possibly be part of your plan? Jonah may seem, seem dramatic, but he is the raw depiction of the battle of two wheels, the battle that we all at some point face with God. Because at the end of the day, we are not God and we are not all knowing. God, why do you have to save my enemies? The Ninevites, are you serious? We all can demonstrate Jonah's questioning attitude in some way and our struggle to see the bigger picture that God has planned. Jonah displays his anger with a sarcastic prayer starting in verse 2. If you notice, this prayer is much different from the prayer Jonah had in chapter 2. It says, "If." he has reverted back to the immature Jonah. The Jonah who originally ran when God called. In the original language, this short prayer includes I or my nine times. It is a selfish prayer. Jonah is complaining about God to God. He is complaining about the goodness of God. God, why are you so good and just? And I'm just so Angry. The Hebrew word used here for the word love is "hesed." There is no truly accurate way to put that word into an English context. The closest we can get is to describe it as God's covenant love. God, I am so angry that you love so much, so unconditional, so unfailing to us all. The reality is that. We can all find something in the Bible or life or in God's will that we feel strongly about. That we wish was different. Turn on the news. Actually, I don't recommend that. But the news can show you the depravity of man and how two sides use that to further divide. I regret a lot of things in my life, especially my opposition to God, because in my heart, I knew my anger toward him was not justified. It was not right. But with what other God can you be the younger brother or the older brother, a Ninevite, Jonah, or anyone else, period, and repent and enter into the banquet that has been prepared for you? No God, but our God. If we can learn anything from these verses, it's that God knows the darkness of our heart and he still wants us to come to him as displayed with God trying to reason with Jonah in the following verses. Let's look at verse four. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should See what would become of the city. Now the Lord appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm to attack the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind And the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die. And he said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry. Angry enough to die. Point two, love people over possessions. Love people over everything else. This part baffles me. Jonah has admitted that he knows God is going to relent from destroying Nineveh and that he might as well just die because of it. But he still goes up to watch the city as if he thinks his prayer and his anger are justified and that will change God's mind. That he has the power that that maybe God has made a mistake this time for not seeing it the way he does. As if God will say, you know what, you're right, Jonah, let's destroy them because you think it's a good idea. He was obviously up there a while because he built a hut or booth. He was committed to giving God time to change his mind. And then a plant grew and Jonah loved, he loved the plant. Jonah loved the plant more than he loved people. One commentator mentioned Jonah felt. That because a plant grew there for him, it was God's confirmation that he should wait and see that Nineveh might actually be destroyed. You see, we all we all want comfort. And when it's challenged, that can be the true test of a person, a true test of faith. One of the things that I think is essential to point out that also parallels to the parable of the prodigal son is that Jonah loves to plant more than people. And the older brother in the parable loved money more than he loved people. Oh yeah. You see, the older brother had a great understanding of his father the same way Jonah understood God. And the older brother knew that when the younger brother returned, that the father would welcome him and include him as seen with the banquet. Then... Half of the inheritance was to be given to the older brother, right? So the younger brother took the initial half, so there's still half there. that was going to go to the older brother, but it still technically belonged to the father. And so he may lose money to the little brother since the little brother would now get another half of everything the father owned. The father is pleading with the older brother to come into the banquet that he has prepared which serves as both a celebration that his youngest son has returned and also an affirmation that he has freely forgiven his son. The father tells the older son, the one who seemingly had it all together in comparison to the foolish younger brother. Son, you are always with me. Everything I have has always been yours. When the older brother states both his jealousy an astonishment for the Father's forgiveness. You see, it's obvious to us when someone is in the wrong, when they go astray, when they commit blatant sins or even crimes. Morally, we can identify that they've done some bad things. But the danger lies in the sins of the heart. That which is unseen by others and only to God. The danger lies also in the sin of unrepentance. The sins of the older brother, whose heart was hardened against the younger brother, unwilling to forgive. But most importantly, his heart is hardened against the father. is similar to the sins of Jonah in chapter four. I've also felt the same way as Jonah here. After I told my father goodbye that day in the hospital, I remember thinking there's still time. God, you can change your mind. And when it didn't happen, I saw comfort in the world. For me, it was alcohol. I mean, a plant for shade would have been nice in Alabama and Georgia growing up, but no one offered me that. The first time I tasted alcohol, I remember thinking, this is the solution to everything. So as I left the church, I found alcohol and that became my very reason for living, chasing that feeling. I had a 15-year drinking career. Five of those years were the most miserable years of my life. I started having conversations with God again, conversations that look a lot like Jonah in this chapter. At the end of it, before I finally got sober, and what was probably the lowest point of my life, even lower than when I lost my father, I remember thinking I I couldn't quit, and this was my life. And now starts the journey to rock bottom as I slowly lose everything. Lord, I can't take my life, but if you could take mine now, I would be okay. At least I wouldn't have to embarrass my family and I wouldn't have to let everybody find out who I really am. At least maybe I could go out without anyone knowing the real me. What in this world do you seek comfort in? If it's anything other than God, it's temporary. A plant, alcohol, a relationship, work, an activity. The biggest thing we can learn from the plant coming and going is that finding comfort and peace in anything other than God is not going to sustain you. In both of these sections so far, they end with Jonah wanting to die. If your will is constantly at odds, with the will of God, then you cannot find fulfillment because what you are chasing is temporary, unable to last and unable to give you true peace. Let's look at the last two verses, 10 and 11. And the Lord said, you pitied the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, That great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. The third point for today, all in or not in. In the closing verses, God tries to do a course correction. Jonah, you love the plant, which means nothing to you. Nothing. How could I not love these people who are lost? And now found. It's been 18 months since I last preached. So I'm far from a polished preacher. But I hope you get this from Jonah. It's easy to see the point of Jonah 1 through 3. Running and coming back. It's easy to see the story of the little brother in the, in the parable of the prodigal son. Running and coming back to God. It is hard to check yourself when you are acting like Jonah in chapter four.
1: When you are likewise
0: behaving like the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son with a hardened heart to your sin, whether that sin is visible or not. But which of these ended up in the banquet? Which one of these are in the will of God? Jonah four is the most impactful passage to me. Because it reminds me of my darkest days Days when I wanted the Lord to just take me At least remove me from ministry Days when my anger was so intense I felt like I could just explode Days of true struggle with the will of God But I don't regret those days Because unlike Jonah and the older brother I can tell you how my story ends I'll go when it's my time Whenever and however that is, I have full trust in the Lord because he has prepared a banquet for me. I know that I will see my dad again, fully restored, alive and well, because he will be at the banquet prepared for me. And I will stay in the ministry until he decides otherwise with the focus of inviting people to the banquet that he has prepared for me and you. I want to close my sermon with my second favorite passage besides Jonah 4. I usually have to read them back to back because one's a little intense as we just saw and the other one brings the joy into the picture. If you are still mad about the loved one you lost too early, if you are still mad about injustice, trauma that has happened, whatever you may be dealing with, I know it hurts and I am sorry. I am truly sorry for you. But never... For one second, think that God doesn't love you or that he is not there in the midst or that he doesn't hurt for you. The whole point of Jonah 4 is in the midst of an irate, angry Jonah. God is trying to tell him how much he loves him and us all. Even if you are struggling to love God, he still provides us with his said love, the covenant love of God. Here is the answer to the anger in your heart, to the hurt, the pain. Here is the banquet the Lord has prepared. Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God and he will be my son. It may not be time for you to enter the banquet, but it's time for you to know that you are ready to enter. Don't let anything keep you from what the Father has prepared for you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for the hardened hearts, including my own Lord. Don't let anything block us from seeing you today. Let us come to you repentant. Not just of the things the world can see, but the things that we know that we are struggling with inside. Because we know you already know those, and so let us bring them to you with no barriers. Thank you. That your grace is more than any sin we have in our lives. That your son died for everything we will ever do wrong, Lord. That you are a holy God. That you are on the throne. That you reign and that nothing can compare to you. Thank you for who you are, Lord. Continue to work in our lives. Continue to work in this church. And continue to let us be a light to the military. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.